I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up. He cleared it of stones. He planted it with the choicest vine. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. And then he looked for a good crop of grapes. Why isn't this working? You know that you know that you've entered in. Life was sweet. Life was good. Life was filled with promise. But something has gone wrong. God, what happened? Why have you broken down the walls? When I was a kid, I, I had a really intimate relationship with the book of Isaiah. I had... I'd, I had entered into a relationship with God and I knew that I knew that I was his. I'm my beloved and he is mine, right? And it was sweet and it was good. And there were people that loved me, my youth pastor, his wife, his, his family. I was just part of their family. They loved me and they just, they called out gifts in me. And, and God was, and early on, early on, I had an opportunity to, to, to do some teaching. It, it, it was probably way too early in my walk with the Lord to have any kind of responsibility like that. But, but I wound up in, in an every Sunday night teaching position, which was weird. But it threw me in the deep end, and, and Isaiah is where... I landed, I just splashed down in Isaiah and I spent time there as a, as a relatively new, just, just impressionable, naive kid who just didn't know any better than to come across a verse like this where it says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it, he cleared it, he planted it with the choicest of vines. And I was just naive enough to think he was talking about me. I was just naive enough to think that, that God had done something in me, that he had planted something in me, that he, that he saw something in me, something beyond what I could see, something, something that, that only he could bring out. And I don't know, I just kind of embraced it. There's this, there's this sense that I have when I think about the book of Isaiah, and Jason's been leading us, right? We're moving from the wisdom literature, you know, Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs, and moving into the prophetic literature. There's something in me that just feels a bridge between the song, right? The Song of Songs, I am my beloved's and he is mine, with Isaiah, this vineyard song. I will sing a song for my beloved about his vineyard that he planted on a fertile hillside. And, and so I just, I wanna invite you into that. I wanna invite you into that because here's my hunch. My hunch is that we all know what it is to awaken at some early point with this fresh-faced expectation, this fresh-faced faith that would say, God, do what only you can do in my life. God, I wanna be yours. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And then somewhere along the way, somewhere Along the way, something just gets off the rails. Something just, and, and, and it, does, it never starts off. It never starts off as, as a cataclysmic event. It starts off as a slow drift until you wake up one day and you say, oh my, the height from which I've fallen. How did I get from there to here? And how do I get from here back to there? So I want to invite you into this, and I want to invite you to chew on a couple of things with me. So for one, let me just say, what, 
that, that line from Philippians chapter one. What has God begun in you? What has God begun in me? It's one of Mindy's favorite verses. I love the way it says it in Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You've heard me quote that before maybe. I love that verse. It's such a promise. He who has begun a good work in you, and she loves it in the Amplified Version, which says, he who begun a good work in you, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it, perfect it, and complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Which means if you're still here, he's still at work. If you're still here, he's still working in you and on you and wants to work through you if you'll let him. What has God begun in you? What has God begun in me? The second question comes not from a place of optimism, but from a place of frustration. Have you ever asked God this question? God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me that I'm not giving you? What do you want from me that I haven't given you? What do you want from me that keeps me from living the life that I know I'm supposed to live? I think there is not a person in this room who hasn't. If you've, if you've begun a walk with the Lord, I, I think there's not a person here who doesn't know what it is to at some point say, God, why is this not working? Why am I not realizing the things that, that I know you want to do in me, that, that I know you would draw out in me? God, why is this not working? Why is this not working? God, what do you want from me? And the third one is, actually, I guess it's more of a statement, but with a question mark after it, peace with God. Because I've tasted peace with God. I've also tasted life apart from peace with God and how do you get it how do you have it how do you hold on to it isn't that what you long for isn't that what you look for not just on Sunday not just for an hour on Sunday not just not just in an artificial environment where you can come and the lights go down and you can be isolated and insulated from the world anybody can have but but peace with God that extends beyond this room. Peace with God that extends beyond this moment. Peace with God. Isn't that, isn't that what you signed up for? Isn't that what you were looking for? So, so let's look together. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. I will sing for the, for the one I love. I will sing for my beloved a song about his vineyard. I will sing for my beloved a song about his vineyard. And I can, I can hear the lilt in the verse, I can hear the cadence. I will sing for my beloved a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up, he cleared it of stones. He planted it with the choicest vine. He built a watchtower and he cut out a wine press as well. God is at work in me. God is at work in you. At least he used to be. I don't know what happened, but there was this, there was this, this naive thought that, that when it says, God, you're digging things. There's this picture I have in my mind of hard and crusty soil. You know? The, the, the kind of soil that if it rains too hard and too fast, the water can't even sink into it. It just runs right off. The kind of hard, packed soil that is as hard as the concrete around it. The kind of hard, packed soil it takes a pickaxe to go. We've got this thing in our garage, this tool in our garage that Russell had, and it's this deal, it's this claw looking thing, and you put it down and you jam it into the ground, and it's got these long handlebars so you can get torque, so you can 
twist and you can churn up the soil. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and, and so, and there's times in my life when it feels like the work of God in my life is like God is just torquing things out of my life. And sometimes I misunderstand and I think, God, God, deliver me from this. And God is saying, you don't understand, this is my deliverance. He digs up the hard, packed soil, the clay that is baked in the hot sun that nothing can penetrate. And he breaks it up and says, he dug it. He dug it out. And it says he cleared it of stones. He cleared it of stones. Some of the stones that God wants to clear out of my life, some of the stones that God wants to just pick up out of my life and just pitch them off to the side, some of the things that God wants to chunk out of my life are things that I want to hold on to. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Some of the things that God puts his finger on and says, oh, my precious son, if only you knew. This is not going to help you. This is only going to hurt you. Some of the things that God wants to take and, and pluck out of my life are things that I have treasured. They're things that I've, that I've, that I've held as, as treasures in my life. And God says, no, you don't understand. Those things that you've loaded onto your, into your backpack that you've been carrying around in life, those aren't, those aren't your treasures. Those are your burdens. Those are weighing you down. Let me deliver you from some of that. Let me deliver you from some of that. He, he, he dug it up and he cleared it of stones. Are there some things in your life that you're still kind of ticked off at God about for taking out of your life? Are there some things in your life that you don't understand? God, why is this no longer part of who I am? Why is, God, what's up with that? He dug it and he cleared it of stones and he built a watchtower in it. Can I tell you? God, is, God has set a watch over my life. God has set a watch over your life. There is an enemy of your soul, but it's not him. The enemy of your soul, come, and God is keeping an eye out. He's watching for you. You know what I'm talking about. You, you talked about it. God actually protects you in the midst of, right? And God is at work. God is at work. And he, he dug it, and he cleared it, and he built this watchtower, and he cut out a wine press because God expects my life to be fruitful. He cut out a wine press because God expects my life to produce yours too. Now, I got to tell you, I come to this whole song of the vineyard. I, I come to this whole song of a vineyard thing as a kid who was raised on Welch's 100% pure Concord grape juice. And when I, think, when I think about the song of the vineyard, I think about Lord's Supper. I think about, I think about the, the grape juice that is so sweet, you can't even drink a whole cup of it. That's so sweet, it just like... It's just like she rushes into you. And, and then after you swallow it down, there's this, I, it, that's my picture. It's thick and it's rich and it's sweet. And I think about my life in Christ and I'm like, Lord, that's why I want my life to be thick with you. I want it to be rich in you. I want it to be sweet with you. And so when the Lord comes looking for a crop of good grapes and finds only bad fruit, that's when I find myself saying, God, what's up with this? What's up with this? Because I know how life is supposed to taste, and it's not like this. You've got Isaiah 5, but I want to read you something from, from Psalm 80, because there's the, it, it's the same language. It's the same picture. Psalm 80, beginning at verse 7, there's this line where it says, Restore us, God Almighty, 
Restore us. In other words, there was something that's now missing, right? Restore us. There is, there, there's something that I remember, something that I treasure, something that I long for to get back. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us. I love that line. You know I love that line because I pronounce it over you every Sunday, right? May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. I love, may Lord restore us and shine your face. Make your face to shine on us that we may be saved. Because here's the thing, guys, and this is a tragic truth. Here's the, there are times when the enemy of your soul will, will, will lie to you in such a way that even though you know that you know that you know Jesus, there'll be something somewhere in the corner of your heart that says, I just don't even feel saved anymore. I just don't even feel a connection with God anymore. I, just, I feel so isolated, so alone, so cut off from God. Restore us. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved, that we may know that we know that we are saved. I, I, I don't know if you remember this verse, but there's a line from 1 John. It says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. The enemy wants you to doubt. God wants you to say, no, 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 no. I, belong. He is, I am my beloved's and he is mine and his banner over me is love. The psalmist says this, Psalm 80, verse 8. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and you planted it. See, see, remember how we were talking about it and Jason's been talking about it in the videos, how you can find some, some lenses through which to view all of scripture, the history, the, the, the narrative, the, the, the wisdom, all of it. These lenses through which you can view it. And here's the, here's the lens. Here's the lens. God is at work. God is at work in his people. God is at work in you. He's at work in me. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here and now like it is in heaven. God is at work. God is at work. And when God brought his people out of Egypt, when God, when God parted the sea and brought his people out, he was bringing it out. And, and part of the treasure that was being carried out of Egypt was his choice Vine, You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations before us. You planted it. You cleared the ground for it. And it took root and it filled the land. Praise God. That's the early testimony, right? When you come to know Jesus and you're like, man, this is, why did I not find this sooner? Why did I not find a relationship with Jesus earlier than now? Oh my goodness. It, it took root and it filled the land and the mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea and it shoots as far as the rivers. And just, just picture, just like Jason has been teaching, just picture how, how when, when David became king and the kingdom began to grow and it began to spread all the way from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to the Jordan River and beyond. And it just began to fill the land, the presence of God, the the peace of God, the kingdom of God, you know, the mighty cedars covered with its shade, the branches. The, and, and then it says this, it says, if all this is going so well, and if the planting of the Lord is, is just springing up, verse 12, why have you broken down its walls? You wake up one day and you say, why is this? not working 
why, is, why am I frustrated? Why do I long for something I can't seem to get? What's going on here? Let me take you, let me take you to John chapter 15 because this, this vineyard metaphor, this, this vineyard talk, it's not, it's not limited to Isaiah chapter 5. Uh, John chapter 15, Jesus, one, one, of the most, one of the most treasured lines. These are red words. These are Jesus' words. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my father, he is the vine dresser, he is the gardener, he is the one, he is the one who cuts back the branches. I am the vine, true vine, my father is the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now remain in me. I've got that underlined. That's a key word in John 15. It's a word of abiding. It's a word of finding your place in Jesus. Remain in me. Abide in me. And I also will remain in you. I will abide in you. Right? I mean, that's the picture of intimacy with Christ, right? That you are in me. I am my beloved's. He is mine. Remain in me. Abide in me. And I also will remain in you. I'll abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He says, I'm the true vine. He repeats himself again, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, he says it again, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. And then he says this, John 15, verse 8. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now, I want to compare and contrast that for just a minute. John 15 with Psalm 80. In Psalm 80, it's, he talks about how, how it took root and it grew and the shade, it reached, it covered the mountains and it reached from the sea to the rivers, this incredible shade. And if I were planting a vineyard, if I were planting a vine as a gardener, if I were planting it as a decorative vine, if I wanted it to shade my patio, I would be all for a long shadow. But God didn't call for my life to cast a long shadow. God called for my life to bear fruit. God didn't call for my life. God didn't call for my life to make a big splash. God called for my life to make a big difference. Amen. And he says this, he says, he says, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. You know what's not mentioned in Psalm 80? There's lots of shade. There's lots of foliage. There's lots of lush, lots of green. But there's no mention of fruit. There's no mention of fruit. Why have you torn down its walls? Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick the grapes, boars from the forest ravage it, insects from the fields feed on it? I don't know if you've ever felt like your, your life, your living, your existence is just at the mercy of whoever wants to come and pick and take and bite and devour. Precious ones, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. I want to take you with me back to another place because some years later, some years later, fast forward, early in my, early in my time with the Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm studying in Isaiah, I'm teaching through Isaiah, even though I had no idea 
what I was doing. Anyway, I get to a seminary class, a preaching class, and they said, go back to a favorite passage of yours and write a new sermon off of a favorite passage of yours. And I was like, beautiful. Let me go back to Isaiah 5. I love Isaiah 5. I will sing a song of my beloved in his vineyard. But by this time, by this time, I, had, I knew my way around Isaiah a little more, and I had come across this place in Isaiah 27. Now, you've got Isaiah 5, but, but in Isaiah 27, listen to this language. In that day, Isaiah 27, verse 2, in that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I will sing for my beloved a song about his vineyard. Isaiah 5, Isaiah 27. In that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. It's the song of the vineyard, same song, second verse, right? I was like, okay, Lord, how did these things go together? How do these things tie up? In that day, in that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something that's not mentioned in Isaiah 5 that is mentioned in Isaiah 27? He says, in that day, I will sing a song about a fruitful vineyard. A vineyard that bears fruit, a vineyard that produces, a vineyard that, that is thick and sweet and rich. In that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. Can I tell you something? God, even, even when it feels like your life is being ripped and torn with this claw from the enemy, maybe it's not the enemy. Maybe it's the Lord saying, this is what my love feels like for you right now because there are some things in your life that, that, that neither you nor I have touched in so long that they have solidified and they've got to be broken up. And God is just torquing some things out of your life. And you say, God, it hurts. And God says, I know it hurts. And it breaks my heart that it hurts. But the only path forward is this. And can I just reframe some of the pain for you? Maybe. I, and, and then he says, I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. That, 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 that hard soil that nothing can penetrate. Even when the water comes, it can't soak in. Because it's just, i got to break that up. There are things in your life that don't belong. And God says, God says, let me take this and remove it from your life. And you say, no, Lord, don't take that. That's precious to me. And God says, no, I want to be precious to you. You've allowed something to become more precious to you than I am. I need to take that out of your life so that you can treasure me. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night because there is an enemy of your soul, but it's not God. There is an enemy of your soul and God watches over your life. He says, he says, he says this, verse four, he says, I'm not angry. So many of us have this relationship with God, this weird kind of approach avoidance relationship with God that I'm afraid God is really secretly very upset with me. And I don't know what he wants from me and I don't know what he's upset with me about, but I know, I know, you know, this jealous God is angry with me. And God says, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. And if there are things in your life that, that you think are all fruitful and beautiful and full of luscious leaves, but they're not bearing any fruit, don't be surprised when I prune that back. It may be painful for you. It's painful for me to watch you hurt. But I'm not looking for you to cast a long shadow. I'm looking for you to bear fruit. And there are things in your life that don't belong, and the Lord begins to dig those out. And you say, no, Lord, I, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. If there were briars and thorns confronting me, I would march against them in battle. I would set them all on fire. If there was an enemy, if the enemy were, I would come against your enemy, but I'm not your enemy. 
And God goes on. In verse five, he says, let them come to me for refuge. Let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. And as Bryce comes up to lead us in the invitation, I, I, I just want to walk through this with you for just a minute because, because I may be triggering something for you. There may be some people in the room who would say, Rusty, I was with you until right then. Because frankly, you say God wants me to make peace with him, but there are a few things that I feel like God is. Well, some of you are just angry with God. Because there are some things in your life that, they, that, that are missing. And you're like, God, until we sort this out, I'm not even sure I can pray. You want me to make peace with you, God? I, I feel like I need you to make peace with me. I know that's a hard place. I know that that doesn't get accomplished in the 90 seconds of a prayer at a church invitation. But I want to invite you into something. I want to invite you. I want to invite you to reframe some of that because God is not your enemy. And even though you may be angry at God, God's not angry with you. He's not. God is open to your hurt. He's open to your confusion. And he may even, he may even give you some answers. But honestly, the thing you need from God are not so much answers, but peace. Peace with God. Let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. How do you make peace with God? Will you take that backpack full of rocks that you've been carrying around? Grudges and hurts, anger and disappointment. You take that backpack full of rocks and you bring it to the altar. And you heave it off your shoulder. And you begin to take them out one at a time and say, God, I don't want this as much as I thought I did. God, I don't understand what you want to do with this. But I can't carry it anymore. Or maybe you don't take them out one at a time. Maybe you just take that off. And like it's an enemy, you throw it down and say, I want to be done with this. You may say, Rusty, that's going to take therapy. And you know what? Maybe it will. And maybe it should. But it starts here. It starts with a heart that wants to come for refuge, that wants to make peace. That's where it begins. So maybe... Maybe today is your time to say, God, you who have begun this good work in me, Lord, would you restart it? Lord, would you, would you begin again? Lord, I know I've given you reasons to turn away from me, but God, I'm turning toward you. God, you just tell me what it is you want from me. And instead of coming with a, with a, a jaded heart, I'm coming with a, with a broken heart, maybe a crushed heart, a heart that says, God, whatever it is you want from me, the answer is already yes. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening.
Because what I desperately need, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What I desperately need is peace with you. Now it's your turn. It's your turn to respond to what God has in mind for you. Maybe you need to find a place at this altar to unload that bag of rocks. Maybe you need to find a place at this altar to offload and unload. Maybe you need to find a place at this altar to come and lay your burdens down. We would pray with you. There are people who would love to pray with you. We would anoint you with oil. We would arrange for a baptism. There are people who would love to pray with you, but maybe you're not ready for that. Maybe you only have room to talk from your heart to God's ear, and that's fine. You can find a spot here and just come to the Lord. Maybe you're not even ready for that. Maybe the best you can do is jot a couple of words on the bottom of that connect card and say, here's what I'm struggling with. And just leave it at the altar. God will know. God will know. Would you stand together with me? And Lord, in Jesus' name, we just, Lord, we just long to be the planting of the Lord. We just long to know, Lord. We long to know the God who has is, who is begun this good work in us, the God who is expecting things from us. Lord, we long to know how it is that we can come to you. Bryce is gonna lead us. And I just want you to know the altar is yours for however long you need it. You come as God calls you. Bless the Lord.